Hey, it's Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek, coming at you straight out of Portal 47. And you're listening to the Shuttle Pod. Oh, I see what you did there. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the ShuttlePod podcast. This is ShuttlePod number 59. Today is Monday, October the 8th. I'm your host, Kaylee Acovino, and I am joined by Brian Drew. Hello, everybody. And Matt Wright. Hey, guys. Today we are going to talk about some of the biggest news in the Star Trek universe. Um, of course, a ton of news just came out of New York Comic Con. Uh, team Trek movie, our East Coast team, was there uh, as our boots on the ground, uh, going to the panels, interviewing guests. Uh, we also got a new trailer for the season two of Star Trek Discovery from New York Comic Con, so we're going to talk about that. And finally, we also got new Star Trek content. Uh, talking, of course, about the first episode or mini-sode of Short Treks called Runaway, which was a Tilly feature. Mm -hmm. So, guys, why don't we dive right in? First, let's say welcome back to Kayla. She's been traveling and doing yes, other, back, other things, so we appreciate that you got back because we always miss you. Yes, we missed you. Yeah, mm -hmm. thanks, guys. No, I'm really glad to be back. Um, you know, life stuff comes up and... It's yep. it's I hate it when I can't yep. have all my Trek stuff going on at the same time, but hopefully I'll be um, be able to participate more regularly again. So happy to be Yay. here. <laughs> so I guess we can talk. Go ahead and talk about the trailer first and foremost. That was probably one of the biggest things that came out yeah. of Comic Con, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Huge for Trek. So what, let's see, what actually happened in the trailer? A lot of stuff happened. We have, um, by the way, we have the trailer, of course, on the website and our analysis of the trailer. Um, Matt was... Yes, Matt, Matt made a really great analysis of the trailer. Matt is our, like, screen cap, frame-by-frame frame analysis guy, and he always does a great yep. job. So if you want to see, oh, did I miss any of the details? He's got them all in there. So definitely go have a look at that article. So maybe, yep. maybe I should pass the baton then to Matt, and you can tell us, like, what, what are some of the key takeaways from, from the trailer? Ooh, yeah. So <clears throat> this is the second trailer, as probably our listeners know. They gave us a glimpse at a first-look trailer back with Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con. Mm -hmm. And this builds, essentially builds on that, has some of the same footage, but a lot of new stuff, too. Um, and we get a little bit about... Burnham and that mysterious figure that she saw we get a little we'll come back to that because we have a lot to talk about with that mm -hmm. and we get a little bit actually quite a bit more about um the very first mission that Pike you know sort of commandeers although that's a bad term uh I don't know what you want to call it Pike assumes command of the discovery yeah. for um which is they go through that crazy asteroid like field and as we all sort of figured they they, they do go look for the USS Hiawatha um, which is where we find uh, Chief Engineer Denise Reno, played by a guest star Tig Notaro. And so they, we get a lot more... Yeah, which is cool. I'm looking forward to seeing what Tig does. Um, mm -hmm. And so we get a lot more footage of like them uh, going in on foot, basically, which is pretty dicey looking, right? Like They're walking like around on chunks of asteroids like on foot for whatever reason. They can't go in you know, uh, via 
shuttle or whatever. Is so, this, yeah. And you're talking about there's a shot at the very opening of the trailer and you see some, like tiny people. Yeah, wanna... tiny people. Did it, yep. did it did anyone else think they looked like super shiny? Yeah, they have their their suits have a bunch of shiny like under material if you look. Mm. Um they also by the way the suits are also color coded. They're slightly shiny mm-hmm. to the to the red uh to the red, you know, gold, red and blue that Yay. day, which is cool. Um so we see a little bit more of that and then we also see Amanda shows up and talks to Burnham, which again we'll get into because that's a heavy subject, right? Why she what she's talking to her about. And of course, um, the biggie is Spock makes an appearance in this trailer for right. the first time. Yeah, big and deal. It's a big deal. He's maybe not what we, but people might have expected. Although I'm not particularly surprised that he looks shaggy, but we'll get back no, to that. No, me neither. We'll get back to that too. I, um, I like <clears> to call him hipster beard Spock. Yes, I think a lot of people have taken to that. And it's kind of it's kind of cute. Like, it, sure, why not, right? And um, as we know from the bonus scene that the uh, CPS team sort of trotted mm-hmm. out at WonderCon earlier this year, we know that Giorgio, the former em- Terran Emperor, was rec- was recruited into Section Thirty One, and we knew that was going to play play out this season. And so we actually see her skulking around, both on Kronos uh, in holographic disguise, and then back on the discovery like later in the season and it's clear that pike doesn't know who she is because as we it's she's a highly kept secret right like we learn we actually we learned that at the end of the last season that very few people know who she really is and most people think she's captain giorgio like rescued from a klingon you know prison or whatever well well of course because if they told everyone about the mirror universe that would violate canon when they then discover the mirror universe later yeah, mm-hmm. like ten, like eight-ish, ten years yeah. later or something like that. Yeah. I, yep. I thought that was so. a great point in your um, analysis, map because it was something I didn't think of. Like, of course, Pike doesn't know. I, it honestly didn't even occur to me when I was watching the trailer. So, yeah, like when you watch the trailer, um, well, thankfully to the, the panel actually directly says that. Like, Michelle Yeoh basically teases Anson Mount and says, like, Pike doesn't know who I am and kind of gives him, you know, <laughs> a little hard time. But also you can see by the way he addresses her because Pike is all like kind of happy to see her and kind of gushing over her and he's like oh how's it feel to be back in the saddle and you know you wouldn't say that if you thought that was an evil uh you know operative (laughs) right so and of course she's smirking the whole time you know and just kind of takes off in front of him full smirk like Mm. you don't know who i am i mean i guess but like at the same time she like starfleet is the one putting her in this position and they know she's an quote unquote evil operative. So well, a few, a few of them do. Yeah. Like a sure. select group too. Sure. Yeah. Well, so again, we can circle back to the problematic stuff of that because yeah, there's, it's questionable. Um, and then a, probably the biggest thing that really made people, a lot of people happy, I think is, Hey, look, uh, Klingons sort of look normal again, right? They have, <laughs> they have hair, yeah. which, which was very strongly, but sort of circuitously hinted at by Glenn Hattrick back at Star Trek La- yeah. Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yep. I remember sitting there kind of yep. not sure what he said. I think, Brian, yeah. you, you caught onto it and said, yeah. you just say what yeah. I think you said. And then, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. He did, so, he did it in kind of an oblique way. He wasn't yeah. really trying to, he, wasn't, yeah. he couldn't come out and say it. Yeah, he was yeah. kind of rambling about design and stuff and slipped it in there. And it was like, wait, wait, what? 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 What did he just say? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yep, people have hair, including Laurel, you know, people we've seen before. 
Um, she's got a new look in general now that she's like the, you know, the chancellor. Um, and also we see, it looks like she's presenting the blueprints for a classic Klingon battle cruiser instead of the weird funky shapes <laughs> cruisers that they had in the first season. Yeah. So yeah. We're seeing, we're seeing the Katinga class. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. And then some weird, cool, weird science stuff that goes on between Stamets and Tilly. Like, Stamets <laughs> aims some kind of crazy, like, force field device or whatever at her, like, shoulder and rips some weird piece out of her, basically. Like, captures something out. Yeah, it pulls out, so, like, a ghost or something, like a cloud. Yeah, it's a weird thing. And I, so I wonder if it has to do with that little spore that fell on it's her shoulder. It's got to, doesn't it? Right? Doesn't it? It's got yeah. to. It, it even landed right in that spot, didn't it? Yeah. Like so, right it might. So. Yeah. And we know that um, Engineer Reno comes back with them because she hangs out for at least a few episodes and does, you know, crazy weird science with the two of them. And you can see her um, basically shove Tilly to the ground when crazy stuff goes wrong in the reaction chamber in the engineering lab. So she she makes it back to the discovery. And there's lots of cool extra little sort of sundry shots that don't belong to one moment that... Uh, we get to see Saru's quarters, which are apparently very foresty. Like he's oh, decorated them like a forest. Quarters? If you look, I think so because really they look like the Discovery walls. Otherwise, huh. see, I was hmm. wondering where that where that was supposed to take place. That could also be his home, home because we know he visits it this season. So I'm not 100, percent but if you look, I huh. think it's actually, I think it's could, actually his quarters. Could it be a, a a kind of a botany area aboard the Discovery? Yeah, but if you look, he's. Maybe, but he looks like he has a, a bed of a bed, moss, like yeah. made made for himself there. Uh, but, but also, yeah. like, and also, like, why okay. would he just turn up to the botany area and disrobe? <laughs> right. And so we actually see him get injured. Like Burnham is limping along, like helping him, and in one of the split second shots, and then in another shot, of course, he's there. And as Doug Jones teased, he goes, "Yeah, you get to see full, you know, full Kelpie and chest, woo!" Like this season, you know, he's joking about it, but he gets uh, he gets shirtless. Um, there with Burnham looking, I guess, gravely injured because Burnham, of course, looks really worried and talks about how, you know, their family. So it's very dramatic. I think he's going to make it. I think so, too, somehow, <laughs> right? Um, another cool, there is a cool little moment that I thought was uh, puts a button on the fact of the huge difference between um, Pike and, say, Lorca who this crew was used to being beaten down by is there's a great moment where Pike basically looks at everyone and says, look, nobody gets left behind. Right. And the entire bridge crew, like kind of looks stunned, but pleased, you know, like really yeah. kind of ecstatic that like, no way this is okay. That's and not they all what Lorca would have said. Yeah, exactly. They're all sort of stunned and they all, you know, very excitedly and happily, you know, go, aye, captain in a very kind of pleased and stunned manner, which is kind of a nice, moment you know it shows the huge difference between what these poor people were subjected to right like they they got a very non-starfleet captain Mm. for their first year of their mission or whatever can we talk about that though because it might not be the same scene but i think it is at the very opening of the trailer pike says different scene but yes is it a different scene? Okay, but Pike because says, it's a similar line, right? Where it's a great, it's a great line, though. Go ahead. Pike says, um, and correct me on this, the syntax here, but uh, Starfleet is a promise. I would yep. die for you, and you would die for me. Yep. You know. So I, I, didn't, in, I don't. I, that rubbed me the wrong way, to be honest. 
Eh, I think it's fine. I just I don't. I don't know. It, it harkens back for me to like Star Trek 2009, where the line was yeah. Uh, Starfleet's armada, armada. Yeah. yeah, is oh the armada thing. Yeah, yeah. like we're, it's not a but, war machine. But where he goes no. with it though is, is he's talking about he's gonna go rescue people from the Hiawatha because that's part of that scene where he says, "Look, if there's anybody down there, I won't leave them to die." Yeah, right. and if that's the full scene, scene when I see I, it in context, I believe that's all. I believe that's all the same scene. Okay. I mean, we saw it chopped up, so I don't know for sure. But those are all scenes where he's wearing yeah. his gold shirt before he's changed into the disco uniform. Sure. So basically, from what we can figure out, is the very first mission where he just comes on board and goes, look, I'm taking over. Of course, he doesn't bother to change because there's no time for that, right? He's got to rush off and do this thing. And the very first mission is the, the crazy asteroid field with the Hiawatha. And then once he stays on board, he changes into the, you know, sort of expected uniform for that ship. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm happy with that if it's in context, but in a vacuum that I have to be oh, honest yeah. that as, it's, as a Trekkie, it's concerning. It, was, it was off-putting yeah. just because I'm thinking that's not what Starfleet is. It's about exploration and exploring strange new worlds and blah blah Well, but remember, one of the themes this season is about, a, is about family. So they had to go hit that really hard, right? We all take care of each other. <clears throat> I see, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. it's maybe a bit much, right? I tend to agree with Matt, though. I think that's all part of one scene. Yeah, I believe no, I, it is. I, I'm good with but... it in that, in that context. Yeah. And, of course, the other thing we get a cool glimpse at is we get to see Rebecca Romaine made up with the brunette wig as yep. number one. Ah, uh, yeah, that was cool. cool. And, and she though, looks the part. I even like though it. it's like she does. it's like two seconds of dialogue, I was like, wow, she was great. Yeah, everyone, the, the reaction, if you look online, it's been really positive. They're just like, no, this is awesome. She nailed it. It's she, like, <laughs> she nailed that. Like the delivery of that line, even though it's just this one line, I, I was just like, that line was delivered awesome, like very convincingly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's wearing almost the same exact wig that Majel was wearing. Really? Yeah, yeah. So we're, we actually were about to have, in some of our panel coverage, we're about to have a side-by-side image of the two that I just put, you know, sort of cut them together side-by-side. It's pretty good. It's nice. pretty good. Yeah. That is a sweet detail because that's a piece of Trek lore that, you know, the Trekkies know that exists, but the casual fan or the average person wouldn't know anything about that character. Yeah, not really, huh? Mm-hmm. And it's also a very cool, like, hashtag feminism moment. Just because the idea of having number one yeah, being, it is. A, being just, a female on board, which never actually happened she's... in the original show, it's like, now we can do that. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was cool. Yep. Uh, there's also a really funny line that I'd really want to know what this goes with, but that of a great, you know, Anson Mount delivering this line where he says, are we ready to execute this deeply insane plan of yours? <laughs> yeah, it's, that is great. It's totally out of context. Like, we don't know what context it is, but I, I, hey, it got me. And now I want to know what is this deeply insane plan? Like, come on. Mm-hmm. I want to know. I'm, I'm happy with the levity that's been added to the season. I think it's yeah. very clear that they're like, yeah. oh, wow, we need to like yeah. bump up the humor a bit and tone down yeah. the... <laughs> Yes. Seriousness. Yes. Just, just yeah, we, we could talk about the the very unsubtle tweaks that they made. <laughs> some are less, yeah, some are not subtle. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. let's let's do it. So, so, yeah. Should we talk about what do we want to talk about first? Well, obviously the Klingons of the headline. I think that was the react the first thing everybody reacted to. I think. Yeah. The trailer played was that the Klingons now have hair and and by and large look like they always have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, by and large, since you know the TOS movies. Yeah, since the since the motion picture. I mean, I, there's clearly still part of the you know the the 
yeah neville page glenn hetrick look in there mm-hmm. sure but it, it feels like there's more of a morphing now of the original look yeah and, and i think look and i think they may have we've actually talked about this on the podcast before that even over the first season they may have refined and lightened up the makeup slightly yeah, yeah. and it, it looks like, it they, like it was easier for the actors to emote yeah and <laughs> yeah. i think they and i think they've continued to refine it because what little we see of like laurel up close but we do get a pretty good look at her up close I think they've continued to sort of refine it. And yeah. It's, yeah. I, I think they've made her head smaller. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, it's, because at one point, she somebody online had a good analogy. They said it looked like she had a bad allergic reaction to a bee sting. What, like on the back <laughs> like of her, her head? Or? Her, yeah. her face was just kind of like weirdly round almost. Well, like, I wonder if it's you know because I mean? they had to put the prosthetic over her hair. Because Mary Chifo has a ton of hair. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. But they yeah, look like it, they've tweaked her quite a bit. I think it's all, yeah, I think the, the whole makeup process has been tweaked at least a couple Sweet. times, I think, over the last year, let's say. Yeah. And so that's good. Yeah, so, yeah, so I guess that's, that this is a concession to all the complaining people had about the hair, which was, you know, it, I have to be honest with you, the first few times I saw those Klingons, I didn't even notice they weren't, they didn't have hair. I'm with you. I didn't care. Yeah, I really didn't. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, the, the, those Klingons ended up having that version of the Klingon makeup ended up having separate problems. But to me, that wasn't the, the hair. The hair wasn't, was not, I agree. Yeah. yeah, the hair wasn't one of them. The problem with that makeup, I felt, was that it looked. Look, they, these were always always going to be human beings wearing a ton of makeup and appliances and whatnot. It was always going to be that. But it was they had so much stuff on them that it destroyed any kind of illusion that they were an alien. Like you could just tell they were wearing prosthetics. Well, you know, I wonder if part of that is because they had to conceal the Tyler Voke identity. That's a, yeah, that's a popular kind of theory about that. Yeah. I don't know if, it, you know, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But maybe. They, they, yeah. I mean, yeah. they couldn't just take uh, Tyler and put a little bit of makeup on, put up forehead ridge and stuff, because it would be obvious oh, yeah, that it you'd was be the same actor. Right, yeah. Oh, right. sure, sure. So. Right. But I don't think that's why they built the entire thing. Though. Sure. I think no, it worked out in their favor. Yeah. obviously yeah. But. yeah i mean we know that brian fuller was really behind this dramatic redesign so right he loved it so anyway so the, the fans who have been complaining very loudly about that <laughs> they get their wish and they get their uh, d7 katinga ship right right yeah right the that's yeah that's the other big headline i think is that we finally that you see the katinga appear as as Matt said, like appears that Laurel is, you know, showing off blueprints of what it's going to be and blah, 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 blah. So who knows if we'll actually see one in space in this season, but yeah, they could be laying the seeds of like, well, let's kind of slowly turn the boat around. You know, it's like, let's slowly get this going in the direction we want. Right. So that's also kind of a concession that, you know, all the Klingon ships we saw last season, we've never seen anything remotely like that before. The Klingon fleet has never had anything like that before. Right. So I feel like that's another kind of thing. Like, yeah, okay, we know that they don't really, they didn't really look like Klingon ships. So here's something that you should be familiar with. So I feel like there's little things like that going on to get people to be like, oh, okay, okay, they seem to be getting it this time. <laughs> yeah, right. Is that is that the general vibe that you? I guys think got? so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. For those Overall. details, yeah. 
Yeah, for those details. Yeah. And for the people, there were a couple of people I saw complaining online that, that those are not D7s from the original series. Those are yes. more from the motion picture, yes, which is I true. It's true. Katinga, <laughs> the Katinga is from the motion picture, but it's the same exact ship with yeah. more detail it's on it. Bi- That's right. all. It's built up with more detail. And of yeah. course, you have when, to have When they were shooting a feature detail. film, they were not going to use the Matt Jeffries model from 1967. <laughs> they were going to build a nice, it's the same exact shape. Exact yeah. same shape, yeah. and it, it just has more detailing on it. That way, at the opening of the motion picture, when they got the camera down really close and they do that cool looping shot, you see a lot of detail. Right, you would see nothing otherwise. It would be you would see nothing plain. otherwise. Yeah. So yeah, so let let's let's give them a pass on this one. <laughs> yeah, let's assume let's assume that they always looked like that, <laughs> right? <laughs> With all that detail on it, that's all. Yeah, I'm happy for uh, that. Everyone was able yeah, to yeah. accept that they totally revamped the Klingons in the motion picture. So yeah. So I don't feel like that's a big it's, deal. This is even a smaller detail. Yeah. But agree. we're nerds, so we have to nitpick the stupidest details. We do, especially we Star Trek fans. I'm wondering, can we talk... So Matt, you'd mentioned earlier one of the themes of season two being family. I would love mm-hmm. to talk about... I want to hear what you guys think about one of the other big stated themes of season two, mm-hmm. which is um, the juxtaposition of science and faith. And of course, mm-hmm. this ties in with the red angel yes. figure. Oh. Yeah, the red lights and all that stuff. Can I just yeah. say, I'm so disappointed that, that when they finally gave it a name, they called it an angel. Like, what? No, no, yeah. no. It, it, yeah. made it, it made it so pedestrian and like just... Mm-hmm. And, very, and very not appropriate for Star Trek. We've, yeah, um, all I could think of when I was watching is like, oh my God, what... what? Those particles of gene that are floating around in orbit are like spinning right now. <laughs> well, and especially because like gene you is think spinning like, in his orbit, right? Exactly. But especially like, I'm sorry, no, Vulcans don't believe in the divine. They would never refer to that thing as an oh angel. never. Well, they don't, oh, and no. an angel right? is yeah. a human creation. It's a human idea, right? And so it's like, <clears throat> sorry, they would call that a, like a strange phenomenon of some sort. Yeah, you know, if they like, if they wanted yeah. to get religious, like Vulcans have their own religion. Yeah, they have mis- a mysticism in their past. Right. Yeah, yeah. and so, and so it, it would be something more mystical like that, like some kind of. But I still think right. it'd be like a being or a, right, and so and so it's really a weird sort of well shorthand, let's say, and and not a good one to just everyone just calls us a red angel, and it's like no, no one would think that burnham wouldn't think that and spock wouldn't think that they're both way too vulcan and trained scientists to think that and, and they say I, mean? I think it's amanda that says spock is the one who named it the red angel because she does I, say that and that's even worse i would right? give this like, a pass right if someone else named it and that kind of caught on and then that's just what they started calling it yeah. but not spock and not yeah michael yeah. it's it's pretty I, bad. I, I, all right i will give i will give a pass if it if spock happened to see this thing when he was like three or four years that's old. that's the other thing though right. he said he's been seeing it since he was a little kid but i don't know yeah and, and right, so, so i think i think we know that they're gonna see this really young because we were way back when remember frakes talking about young spock and baby burnham in episode two being shot so i think it, i think you might be right it might be really like spock is three and burnham is a baby you know yeah. kind of thing. actually no it should be the inverse burnham's actually a little bit older than spock yeah burnham's older than spock by maybe a, couple, a year or two by right? a couple years yeah. Yeah. yeah anyway so but we do know a baby burnham and a, and a young spock and stuff are all parts of flashbacks because we've actually heard that slash seen actually on instagram the babies they've actually said who anyway it's it, we, we yeah we've seen them um if people don't know there actually are twin babies that have been 
that have actually said, hey, we're young Burnham. It's kind of on under the radar, but yes, we know that there's a flashback somewhere. Um, but anyway, uh, please don't call it that. No one should be calling it that. You know what I mean? Like, well, I, it, it has me mm, worried. Maybe it's too strong. But um, I, I think it's very difficult to do a science... Mm-hmm. And religion. I don't want to say science versus religion because that's not necessarily what it is. But a, a yeah, science and that's not fair. And yeah. religion and where how, where do they fit together and blah blah blah. I think it's very very hard to it do is. that well. And mm-hmm. I don't Agreed. think I think it has that. I think that kind of exploration sort of has to be superficial, right. else it becomes unbelievable. And just so as you know, a scientist and someone who's very much watches Star Trek through a scientific lens, I am reserving judgment but i'm very um i don't even want to say skeptical that's too strong i'm just like i'm gonna wait and see what they do with it but i'm i it's hard for me to imagine how they could possibly do this without me having a lot of eye rolling going on (laughs) yeah yeah that's definitely a concern yeah Um, well we'll we'll see like how they thread the needle as it were yeah another thing that doesn't exactly help is that theme and those ideas were very much an Aaron Harbert's idea, and of course he's yes, now he's I was now about long, to bring that up. He's now yep. long gone from the production, like as we know, we talked about that. This sounds so much so. like uh, doesn't this sound like a, hmm. another season yeah. of a show where someone <laughs> yeah. came with a bunch of ideas and then left, and then they had to make yeah. the show anyway? Hmm. Yeah, where have so I unfortunately, seen that yeah. So so like we've said, this is a quick aside. I think we we've talked about this on podcasts before. It's going to be really hard to judge Discovery until maybe season three at this point yeah, because I they agree. don't even have consistency in vision and and stat and like writing staff and show running staff. Like, yeah, we'll see. We'll because well, we we had this whole podcast talking about the wrap up of season one, and all yeah. of us were going on and on about how it it we're really gonna um for all of the the quabbles we had with season one we're gonna really um give season two a chance because yeah they're like starting from a clean slate and all this stuff and then <laughs> and then and then, <laughs> and then the showrunners got fired yeah yeah so, so we're left with this thing of the everyone the writers and the set dressers and the foley people in the grip i mean everyone's just wandering around with like having lost their leaders and having this so it's just gonna yeah like, we'll see i don't know i agree we're just having to wait till season three <laughs> so Season two, we'll we'll see. Um, should we talk about some pretty obvious peppering of uh, fan service in here? By all like, means. Let's. I think the number one thing is, uh, and I was again. If we want to talk about eye rolling, I'm a little worried and a little dismayed to hear Alex Kurtzman drop the Talosian bomb and say yeah. that we're gonna see Talosians. And I'm going no, because about three years prior to this. Um, Captain Pike had a hell of a traumatic experience with these guys and um, left the entire like sector and Starfleet uh, now has that as their only death penalty like right. on, on the books is to go anywhere near the Talos star system. So it's like, hmm. Now, it's entirely possible that he either has some sort of weird flashback thing yep. like triggered through some other event yep. or... And that's what I the hope. Talosians occasionally maybe reach out to him. Yeah, I sincerely hope that it's a flashback and nothing, yeah. nothing more. Yeah, they better not actually 
The Discovery better not go to Talos. No, they better not actually go there. Because in theory, like, everyone's dead. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's a court-martial and execution for everyone if yeah, they go to Talos yeah. for. I tend um, to think that that's more of an aside and not, like, a full-blown I hope so, know, too. Trip. Um, the yeah. other interesting thing is, I was batting this around with... Um, with our, you know, sites founder, Tony about this is okay. So then who are like, how are they going to show the Talosians? And I thought, eh, okay, maybe like if they're smart, maybe they use some of the, like the cage footage and a flashback somehow. And then it was like, no, they're going to want to, they're going to want to put their own stamp on it. And they're going to want to show like new Talosians. Yeah. But I think so, they have to be careful with that too. Cause the Talosians do. are kind of an iconic. Yes, they family. are. They do. So, I will be very interested to see what, you know, Hetrick and McKinnon and stuff, the, what they come up with for Talosians, because as we talked about, left unto themselves, they actually seem to be doing pretty decent, faithful updates to the makeup. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yep. So I hope that's the case. I'm, I'm very curious now what we see of these Talosians. If they don't what have, do if they don't have giant butt heads, I'm out. Right, right. Ruined. <laughs> It's true that they, they absolutely have to have giant. That's what heads. they are. They yeah. they they have these giant craniums. They're the yeah. butt heads. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they got you got to have the you got to have the veins throbbing. Yes, when they're throbbing they, veins. Yeah. No, but I mean that's no, part I, of the whole. Yeah, thing. Yeah, it is. I agree. It's, it's, like, it's, it's an iconic thing for them. So I'm sure all of that will be there. I'm curious to see if they will sort of can't help themselves and go a little more like grotesquely like brain, you know kind of showing through or something Oh, a little bit of yeah yeah mm-hmm. a little more you know funky Show a little bit of the gray matter yeah exactly just something more funky and because they can neat. now right i'm not yeah, saying it's a, i'm not saying it's a bad thing i'm just saying i'm curious i'm very curious to see what they do with it then yeah um, but, i can see them going but, if but they don't i do hope head shapes like butts and throbbing yeah. veins then they have ruined all of star trek ruined <laughs> i'm gonna flip a table now <laughs> No, but 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 I think it's you have, far, they have to look like themselves. Right, they have far, to. far more than like minor updates to what they look like. I just hope they're used tastefully sparingly. and they don't become yeah, yeah and sparingly. Um, there's a there's a chance that they could become some kind of MacGuffin for unlocking secrets with Spock somehow because they're telepathic. I mean, there's a uh, bunch of different maybe. Yeah, see, there's a bunch of weird like kind of fan wanky ways to go with this that I really hope they don't do it. Yeah. I really well, hope. It, it seems very clear based on the trailer and some of the stuff we've heard that they're going to lean pretty hard into the fan service in season two because they yeah. want to get people to watch the show. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so like what else, what are the other fan service things besides the televisions that, or do we not know the specifics? Well, I mean the, the mere fact that a D seven slash Katinga shows up at all is a very big fan service thing. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. See, and know, a I concession to, to me that's too. yeah more of a concession to be honest i think that's I, it, it, it is but it's reference. sort of it's sort of both right I yeah mean, yes yes but i mean yes, it, it's well this it goes back to our uh awesome one of my favorite episodes of our podcast um that we did on nostalgia where we talk mm-hmm. about the difference between like continuity and fan service and nostalgia different things so like to me True. like showing a d7 or a ship is part of the universe is part of the continuity of the universe it's mm-hmm. it's it's yes. kind of them fixing continuity in a way yeah, yeah, they're, they're, fixing, yeah, yeah they're, they're fixing they are it. trying yeah. to fix things that's what they're trying to do and they're trying to do it is they're trying to do and, it and trying and, to yeah and to weave it into their story as best right they can right because they can't basically. just straight up be like whoops sorry let's rewind yeah. they have to yeah. come up with justifications 
Yes, well, and so, absolutely. Speaking of justifications, should we talk about the? Um, this is the same thing Glenn Hetrick said back in STLV, but this whole thing of well, here's how we, you know, here's how we justify hairless Klingons, right? Is oh, it's this whole thing where they latched onto that uh, legend of Kalis and like cutting off the oh, lock right. of his hair, right? And, the rightful heir thing, yeah. yeah. And you know, it's a, it, they they're trying and cool. They're trying to come up with some in-universe way for like why they're backpedaling basically which is fine all right so Mm -hmm. they had to come up with something but of course the thing from rifle air is a lock of hair not like you know shaving yourself bald but whatever and it just opens up things and of course the first thing you know our our lovely trekkie smart ass is love to do is go well what happened to the Dominion War, you'll note that they never shaved during, you know, those like three seasons of Dominion War. Hey, maybe, maybe this, like the, the old Klingon text hadn't been translated from ye olde Klingon very well <laughs> until later. Um, and so well, it was no, just I, a mistranslation. There's actually a really, I mean, it's also a really good point that was made and good. And Mary Chifo, God bless her is out there, like interacting with the fans. Yeah. She's trying being, to sell it. She's dedicated. And being a, and bring a great yep. ambassador for this, which I really appreciate. And she actually has a really great response, which is like, ah, I can buy this, sure. And she go, she said, you know, the Dominion War takes like more than a hundred years. You know, takes place a hundred years after the events of Discovery. Traditions change and are sometimes lost in time. And much about um, what Takuvma was hoping to do doesn't really happen until after the explosion of Praxis and things change for the Klingons. So like after yeah. Star Trek Six. Yeah. And you know what? That's honestly like that's pretty legit. Cultures change, right? Maybe they stop being. Maybe in general, the Klingons yeah. stop being so fundamentalist or whatever mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. But or, or or we just give the production a break. And I'm as hard on Discovery yeah. as anybody. And just give them a break and say that you know what they're trying to fix something. And let that's them fix the reality, it. right? And that's the reality. <laughs> let them is, fix it. Right? Is, look, look. They don't even need to come up. They're with trying. Anything. They right. want to fix it. They, they, right. They're trying to make good here. So let them. Let them. Let them be. Yeah. No, that's, right. That's like they don't even need to. No, no, and they don't need to come up with an in-universe reason. It's cool, whatever. Just, it's just fine. Move along, you know. Yep, move along. But, but there you go. So, we shall see. Yep. Yep. So the show is coming back January seventeenth on a Thursday. Yeah, they're doing Thursdays now. That's when they're which is that, which is interesting. Kind of just uh, you know. Yeah. I, I thought maybe if they were running it on a Thursday, maybe they were gonna you know run maybe the like they did with season one where they might run the first hour on cbs because mm. it was like on a thursday i was like oh it's weird maybe there's a football game it's gonna follow or something but no they just picked thursday yeah i mean that's how <laughs> that's how they're releasing short treks too is they just pick yeah. thursdays now yeah no it's it's cool it's not a big deal i was just was curious that's yeah. all me too i actually kind of liked it on sundays but that's also yeah because, it was kind of cool that's also because at least i mean i i fondly remember in the 90s that's when that's when like most I'm pretty sure just about every syndicated station showed new episodes of TNG and then later Deep Space Nine too. Is they showed them on a Saturday or Sunday night. So yeah, I think they ran on Saturdays in New York. Yeah, I remember like eventually when both TNG and DS9 were were simultaneous. I got in my market. It was TNG Saturday nights and DS9 Sunday nights. You know, oh. it was cool. You could see both weekend nights. You ran, you know, you ran out from dinner at like seven to go like watch the, you know. Watch yeah, that's really cool. It was an amazing time. So I have this fond memory, and I, so I like it kind of being like a Sunday night. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's fun. 
So yeah, we'll I wonder what I wonder what made them think to do it on Thursdays. I don't know. It's really interesting, especially because like it just makes me think of like uh, you would never be so ballsy as to do this on network TV because Thursday nights are huge, huge for um, especially on ABC. ABC pretty much dominates a lot of Thursday night TV these days. You know how it used to be NBC's comedy night in the nineties, but these mm-hmm. days it's like the Grey's Anatomy like show type shows are all Thursday mm-hmm. nights. And just dominate that time slot. So it's interesting that, that they're still doing that. Like, it's, yeah, it's not broadcast, but like, that's still kind of ballsy in a way. They're going, it is. In. Yeah. Hmm. So we'll see. Yep, we shall see. So January 17th, right around when we thought we, it, the show would come back, I yeah. think, right? Yeah, yep. That's yeah, pretty once much we realized it wasn't going to be back, like, right now. Yeah, we all I knew. Think we, figured, was... we think we figured mid January. Yeah, exactly. Based on the way After Treks was going to be coming out we figured not after tracks some short tracks sorry yeah short tracks short tracks yeah. yeah oh yeah still no news about after track by the way they still have no claims to it despite claiming it's not dead we swear they're like oh it's not dead like we're going to do something with it yeah right they've, they've been talking yeah they've been talking about doing something that was different right and so well, they're weren't ones... they talking about doing some sort of facebook thing or something no i think that's what we were guessing like assuming oh i th- oh was it? okay um, yeah, like a Facebook and course, Live or something. Yeah, they because yeah, they, like they had been yeah. favoring those uh, sort of after the season was done. Um, so I don't know, but again, Comic Con would have been the time to say something. Like that's yeah. the last big last big event before January, last big convention. So, hmm. I think part anyway. of it for AfterTrack is difficult has been difficult for them because it started in season one. Like I think the like the the, the the Talking Dead, which all of these after shows are based off of basically now, yep. didn't start in the first season. It didn't start until right. there was a fan base built up and there were discussions going online and they wanted some well, yeah, but to, to Unfortunately, now every show thinks they need an after show because that must be... Yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of them now do that. Like season one, they already have one. It's like, oh, this is a hit? Cool, boom. We're making an after show. Because yeah, we already expect it. We, we expect it to be, you know, kind of thing. But yeah, it's, kind of, it's in a weird position for sure. So, Brian, you want to talk about what Anthony Rapp said? This is sort of our last kind of maybe fan servicey and canon consistency kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So during the I think it was during the panel mm-hmm. on Saturday, mm-hmm. um, somebody was asking. Obviously, there's a lot of canon and consistencies that come up, you know, as much as they like to tell you that Discovery is a visual reboot. It seems like it's a bit more than that. Mm-hmm. And there's all sorts of weird little quirky things. Some are big, some are much, very much smaller stuff. Not a big deal. So somebody was asking Anthony Rapp or was asking the panel in general about all these inconsistencies. And he insists that by the end of the season, all this will tie together. And he says, quote, trust that we have a long game approach to how this will fit in. And this will all get answered through season two. Right. I'm skeptical. And that's on top of Alex. And that's on top of Alex Kurtzman in San Diego saying that it would we would, quote unquote, sync up with canon in season two. Yeah. yeah, I don't I know mean, what that means. I think we've been hearing this from various people for like a year now, so I don't know if I believe it. Me you know, in that sense, it's just a weird thing to keep emphasizing if it's not really something well, you're going. You to know do. what else they said? They said mm, they well, said that they said they would never recast Spock. Yes, they did. That's true. Aaron Harbert straight up said they would never recast Spock, but and that both, was, uh, yeah, and that was done him. long, and that was recast, and he was put in place long before Harbert's got and Burr got fired. So. Yeah, yeah, so is that but you know what else they said 
John Harrison is not con. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hold a grudge. Crossing the stream slightly, but Kurtzman is the con. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, Kurtzman. Yeah. 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 Season one was about the other. Learning about the other. <sighs> yes, yes. Anyway. I think I think anyway. in Fuller's version it was, and then it changed dramatically. Yeah. Yes, it definitely did. Anyway, I tend to believe Anthony Rapp more. I, mm-hmm. I tend to believe the actors more in this scenario. Sure. He's saying that, and Rap himself is a Star Trek fan. Yeah, it's true. So if he says that, I'm telling, I'm willing to give it a little more credence than I would say Kurtzman. Sure. But I don't know. I mean, and if it's true, what does it mean? Right. That it's all going to be figured out. I mean, does it have something to do with these red lights, or does it just mean they're going to introduce more elements? from the original series into the show and it'll just start feeling more like the TOS era. I, I, I tend to think at least certainly the easy way out is they just introduce more and more both sort of visual and winks and nods up to it and then they go see doesn't it feel about right? I mean there's a you lot know? of I mean, things unexplained though and one of the biggest for me is the spore drive. Yeah. If that's not retcons. Yeah. There's like yeah th- that's one issue. That's a big one. You know, what was it? I think it was the, the Red Letter Media guys said it best about the spore drive. Like, don't you think Janeway would have learned what the spore drive was <laughs> <laughs> trying to get Voyager home? Uh, yeah, right. Maybe, like, you know, like you would have to think it was in some file somewhere, somewhere where somebody yeah. could get at it. Because, like, all the starships. That have... probably would have gotten the Voyager home pretty quick, don't you think? Yes, yes, it would have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and pre- presumably so. all the starships have the you know all of the federation records of all time they they, it certainly seems like it they yeah they totally behave that way anyway Mm -hmm. like plots always written that way yeah so Um, i don't know so yeah so it's possible that maybe it like that that what all they mean is that you know they're introducing more tos elements and stuff or mm -hmm. maybe something to do with either the spore drive or the red lights or this angel thing is going to do like this weird soft reboot where it's going to just kind of remove uncomfortable things they no longer want to deal with. <laughs> it turns it could It turns yeah. out all of season 1 was a coma fantasy. <laughs> oh, you, you know what could be really crazy? I thought about this the other day. What if what if all of this is all of the first you could say the entire first season and most of the second were all just an illusion in Christopher Pike's mind. Oh, on Talos yeah. 4. On Talos 4 post the cage. So he never got out. Incredible. Actually, yeah, something like this that. Yeah. calls directly back to a piece of a, a, a podcast we did when we talked about the yep. gauge. And we talked about like, yep. well, what if he actually never left Telus 4? Like all of Star Trek is just one big fantasy. <laughs> I, I, I kind of love it. I hate it. Anyway, I, I hate it. Anyway, I don't, I don't, yeah. Anyway, I don't believe that. I just, I just popped into my head. Yeah, I was like, no, holy it's shit. awesome. <laughs> I love it because everyone would be so pissed. Oh, oh yeah, that'd yeah, be the ultimate. Like they would, like, they gee, would like yeah. be rioting yeah. in front of Paramount and CBS with like yeah. pitchforks yeah, and. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. Anyway, so I mean, it could be. I really think so they're they... just going to rework things and then just hope that season one fades into fades in your memory. Yeah. yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I think that's it's what just they like, do too. Yeah. Don't don't worry, it's yeah. gone. You know, just keep yeah. focusing on season two and three, whatever. You know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, because season two is a make or break season for Star Trek Discovery. It has to it has to catch on a bit more than it has. I think so. Yeah, yeah. It can't it can't continue on its current trajectory and expect to last. Hmm. So, 
Yeah, well, I'm sure it gets at least a third season, but yeah. Yes, I would think so. Yeah. So we learned a ton about what we think might be happening in season two of Discovery at New York Comic Con, but we also heard about another show that some people are maybe even more excited for. <laughs> you could say Just that. a little. Which, yeah. of course, is, as we like to call it here on the shuttle pod, Old Man Picard. Yeah. Old Man Picard on CBS All Access. I have to say, yeah. I was really hoping that they would maybe just give us a title while they were there. You yeah. know, like a yeah, because there are title. titles floating around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it turns out that this new Jean Luc Picard series is not a mini series; it's an ongoing series, which was a, a little surprising. Shocking. That was shocking. Yeah, that is shocking. Like Patrick Stewart's going to sign up for that. Yeah, I did not expect Patrick Stewart at, at the age of 78 to be interested in an ongoing series. Well, now, if, granted, it's yeah. not like a punishing you know, yeah. grind that TNG was, obviously. Right. But it's like, going to be it's, yeah, but it's, it's gonna still be a television episodes. series. Yeah, it'll be 13 episode seasons, just like Discovery and stuff. So. Yeah, it's 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 amazing, guys. It's it. it that's I didn't insane. think Patrick would want that kind of. Commitment. No, I didn't think so either. I figured it's they'd do pretty... six or seven episodes. In, period. That's it forever. Yeah, yeah, and we get a nice. We, yeah, so uh, yeah, I would have been completely happy with that. But uh, yeah, so it's you know it's it's happening. It it you know it could be and correct me if if there's been something said that negates this but couldn't it be that patrick stewart sort of kicks everything off for the first season or something and then isn't obligated to come back for another season that seems like they would never put up with that but yeah no i think the whole show's got to be built around him okay i think i think what it might do though is allow the ensemble to slowly come back if they want to you know if it's going to be an ongoing series i would be shocked if we don't see most of the cast at some point right that's what i think is going to slowly happen that's pretty nuts, yeah, which you is, guys. Yeah, that is pretty wild. Um, Patrick went from not wanting to be involved in Star Trek anymore, and now he's back on a regular Star Trek series. Yeah. I Weird. never would have guessed that in a million years. Yeah. No. Yeah, no. it's surprising. It's a happy thing, but mm-hmm. like, wow. So the writing staff has apparently been plugging away for about a month. Yep. Um, and they are planning on going into production in April. Mm-hmm. I mean... No, there's any, it's anyone's guess as to when we're actually going to see the show. I would assume by the end of next year, but who the hell knows? Well, so the other thing that they, that came up is that um, they said that they're not planning on having overlapping shows. They want yes. they want a show to end and then another show to start. So, yeah, I don't think they're going to have yeah. Well, that's right, wise. So. Yes, no, I agree. It is, agree. but you know, people remember the the good old days of the '90s where TNG things were overlapping. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or DS9 yeah. and Voyager. Right. You know, and everybody, then, right. everything had an overlapping. Right, and that contradicts what we heard from a CBS executive only a couple of months ago about how they wanted new Trek on all the time. No, that's still all the time. Just one show ends and another begins. Right. No, which by the way, I think this is a good thing. The, the less we shouldn't be have too much going on at once. No, I we agree. definitely should not, because yeah. I mean, you know, there's that whole. Mar- what Marvel, not Marvel, what Disney was sort of uh, overstepping on Star Wars, and they had to step, you know, <laughs> yeah. take a step back. It's the same thing. We don't, we don't actually want that, you know, of our beloved no. Star Trek. No. We well, I mean, the key so, is no. they got to give me a reason to stay subscribed to All Access. That's and, the whole. And they, thing. And they know that too. Yeah, that's why they want something year round. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. So we have to figure. Then we'll get the animated series maybe after Picard. Yeah. 
Do we know, um, is Picard filming in L.A.? We don't know anything else we about don't know. it yet. Okay. I'm guessing Toronto. I would guess they would want yeah. to do that. But I, CBS, but I, I would CBS so. just put a purchase on a, a lease on a huge studio space. Yeah, they just bought a bunch of space. And, and Patrick lives in New York at least yeah. half the time oh, now. Oh, that's true. Okay. Yeah. And that's so, an hour flight. It's an, like an hour, maybe a little yeah. over an hour flight. Yeah. yeah okay, so I think all of a sudden it's points East Coast. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. I was gonna say I, I wouldn't put past Patrick Stewart to say no. I want to film in L.A., but that makes sense. Actually, New York is super close to Toronto. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, who knows? He Maybe might he though. Will. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe de- it might depend on the demands of the the series itself. You know. And he's he's a producer, so, so for all we know, he wants to sit in the writers' room sometimes in L.A. and then doesn't want to have to go fly out back. Yeah. Yeah, fly out again. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever so yeah we'll know we'll know soon enough i think where <clears throat> yeah if, if they're going to begin in april we're going to hear stuff about it in the new year yeah. some, somehow you know yeah yeah rumblings or something so, so you have to figure maybe we'll get it by the end of next year that's nuts I yeah guess. or early or early 2020 something like that yeah but if they want to have some kind of continuity if that's the plan well, there's going to be a huge gap no matter what they do. Well, yeah, Discovery uh, second season will be finished before Kurtzman kind of had a glib yeah. answer for that too, which is he also said, "Oh, that's what short treks are for." So they may actually make more of these as filler, like next year. I see. He kind of implied, you know, something. Now yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah, but we'll see. That makes um, sense. No, that makes sense. And then another thing that people were always wondering about is, you know, how Shaban, of course, wrote a short treks that mm-hmm. is discovery, you know, focused, right? It's in the discovery time frame. Um, so people went, well, okay, is, is does there any kind of linking discovery to the new Picard show? Which of course there shouldn't be because they're no, you know a no. century a century apart. So no, there shouldn't be. But of course, everyone wants to think that that's like a thing somehow. No, a, I know, and thank goodness it's not. And Kurtzman officially said, because somebody asked him, and they said, no, they're all, you know, they're standalone, separate things. Mm-hmm. No, somehow there will not be some secret tie to Picard a hundred years prior, you know, right. whatever. You should have been like, no, that's a terrible idea. Next question. Uh, right. Yeah. So um, Kurtzman also said, oh, do you want to take this one, Brian? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, just the other little tease, speaking of teases, is Kurtzman opened the panel almost pretty much is almost the second thing he said is he goes, you might know we were doing a little thing called like a Picard show. And people were like, Ooh, yeah. And he goes, Hey, who wants to know who the bad guys are? And of course people were like, hell yeah. And he was like, nah, not going to tell you. Let's talk about discovery. And like, he moved on, you know, and it's like, Oh, that's so mean. But it's interesting because what that says is it's not just old man Picard trimming roses or whatever and trimming the, <laughs> oh, gra- no, trimming the grapevines. That. For all the jokes we're making. I mean. For all the jokes. Now we knew that, right? But that also means there are some sort of... No, it doesn't mean that. But it kind of implies, you know, hey, maybe there's actually a central bad guy plural, it seems. So maybe mm. we're talking about a certain plura- a plural certain enemy. Uh, I think a lot of people went. Well, we know who that could be, and that's the yeah. board. Of course, say, yeah, I think everybody, everybody, I think everybody assumes it's the board. Yeah, I think we all sort of. Hey, assume I'm not that, assuming that, nothing. Well, I think it's kind of a safe assumption that the Borg at least somehow still haunt him. You know. Yeah, I mean, he's like Patrick said it at in in Vegas that you know this is not the Jean Luc Picard you remember. Yeah. He's been through a lot. Blah, blah, been blah, through blah, trauma, blah. yeah. And, yeah, and Picard, the biggest trauma of Picard's life was obviously being yeah. assimilated by the Borg. So. Yeah, I mean the torture 
was bad, but not anywhere near as bad as what happened to him. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, I think we, I think we'd all be shocked if it's not the Borg. I would actually be, of course, also be really happy that it's not in a sense. I, I think it would be fine. Oh, I'd be was, very happy if it was I think it but... would be fine if it's a theme that haunts him, but like they're not literally in like there. You know what I mean? No, I hope. I hope you're right. I, would, <laughs> that I, would I, be... I really I really don't need to see another showdown between Jean Luc no. Picard no. and the Borg. No. No one needs that, well, we, honestly. We've done a lot with the Borg. Since then, a Voyager oh, yeah. did a ton with the Voyager Borg. Voyager did a ton, yeah. And First Contact was kind of the last word on the Borg, yeah. wasn't it? I mean, I think so, yeah. Especially for especially for Picard, like for his yeah. arc right. with them. Right. First Contact did it. Yeah, he, yeah, good yeah. point. You know, yeah. That was the resolution to that was him dealing with it. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, um, one we'll see. one other thing I think that I'm, we may have mentioned in passing in conversation. Possibly one of the motivations for changing the Klingons back is if they're going to use the yep. Klingons at all in the Picard series, yep. especially if they ever plan on using Worf. Yep. You can't have Michael Dorn looking like the, too f- the, the yeah. Discovery season one Klingons. <laughs> yeah. He has to look, he he has to look like off. Worf. Oh my God, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, yeah so I think that might have, so that might have been part of what they were, what motivated them as well, was to <laughs> make sure that, you know, you got to. If you're going to move her through time periods, you're going to have to have a certain kind of visual consistency, at least yep. to some degree. Yeah, you know? so they got to nudge so. everything a little closer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. So. My, the vision of Discovery-style Worf is just cracking me up. Yeah, well, based on Doran's comments about the Klan costumes, I'm not too sure he would have gone for it. <laughs> no, he definitely um, would not have, so. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we'll see. I mean, that doesn't mean, obviously, that Michael Doran will appear in the show at all. We have no idea... We have no information about anybody. Because, no, they, they consistently yeah. say they have no idea. They've not been yeah. asked for you know to join or anything. Yep, yep, so. yep. Well, if the writer's room's only been open for a, yeah, a month, a month. That, that's, I'm sure that's absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure too. Yeah. Four so. weeks for them to come up with a concept and whatever else. It's not long. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> so. It's not long. So we shall see. We shall see. There's gonna, that one's going to obviously be subject to intense speculation, that show. Oh, yeah. Every move they make is going to be examined closely. So that's exciting, obviously. We're all going to be, you know, as we've discussed on, on previous podcasts, it's no small thing for Patrick Stewart to be returning to Star Trek. So it's a very, very important show for the history, for the future of the Star Trek franchise. It is. Big friggin' yeah. deal. Yeah, yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. It's a very big a deal. A lot riding on it. A lot. Yes, a lot. So one other thing happened in the past week. As Kayla alluded to at the beginning, we got... Our first live action Trek since the season one finale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. New Star Trek content on quote unquote television. Yes. <laughs> short Treks. The first Short Treks appeared. Uh, Runaway, it was called. It was written by um, Jenny Lumet, who just joined the staff recently, and Alex Kurtzman. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Do we have a good summary we can uh, give folks for uh, what exactly... Runaway was about. Well, I mean, I'm happy to give my uh, recollection rundown of what happened. Go by for all it. means. Let's do it. By all means. Cuff. Go for it. I mean, it's 15 minutes, although they tried to pack yes. a heck of a lot of story into it. Um, they certainly did. Basically, we find ourselves on the Discovery, a sh- one shift's ending, so the ship kind of feels deserted because we're kind of in between shifts. Uh, we're focused on, on Tilly this whole time, following her around. Um, and we see in the cargo bay um, a a 
some kind of creature that has the ability to turn itself invisible or translucent, you know, coming out, we see like a hand coming out of some kind of piece of cargo. So there's some stowaway aboard the Discovery. Um, and now we follow Tilly into the mess hall where she, she verbally spars with the very talkative replicator. Which is great. Which is pretty great. I, love the, the I actually do love that. It. The, yeah, that, the that's, espresso that's a good comments bit. are great. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good the, bit. The narrowed eyes she gives to this says it all. Um, and mm. then shortly thereafter, the, the replicators all start going nuts. Food is flying everywhere. And it's revealed that this this uh, transparent creature is in the room with Tilly. And so it's just her and Tilly. And Tilly's like, holy crap, what's going on? Um, they meet each other. It turns out it's the 17-year-old kid um, from a planet that Tilly mentions has just achieved warp cap- capability. Um, and this girl is some kind of like kid genius. You know, she's like an engineer mm-hmm. or something. She makes things. Um, and her and Tilly, you know, T- Tilly kind of convinces her to, you know, that she's friendly. And um, the this girl convinces Tilly not to out her immediately because she's like, no, I'll get, you know, in huge trouble if someone finds me here. Because Tilly doesn't know what to do. And she's like, okay. So they go back to Tilly's quarters. Tilly finds out she is a runaway. She, uh, you know, to cite the name of the episode, she is wanted by the Federation, but wanted alive. She's a very, very high profile person who's wanting to be found. Um, and we also learned in the same scene that this girl has created, uh, she loves her planet. She's an environmentalist. She um, wants to stop the strip mining of dilithium that's happening now that her planet has achieved warp, achieved warp capability. And so she's developed a way to recrystallize dilithium which is a huge deal um, and something that definitely does not exist in the, in the, to the Federation's knowledge at this point in time. Right. Right. Yeah. right. And so till- that does not happen until the voyage home about right. 20 years later. Right. They struggle to even do that then. Exactly. And so it's a, it's a huge deal. It becomes commonplace by the 24th century, by the way, but in the 23rd century, it is not at all. So it's a huge deal. And, and Tilly right. recognizes that. And she's like, wow, this is a, this is insane. This is a huge deal. Um, so they yeah. have some kind of chat. Um, Tilly talks about the, the the struggle she's had with her mom, which I've neglected to mention. She had just been speaking with a hologram of her mom who was being like totally mean to Passive her. aggressive jerk. Yeah. yeah. About joining mm-hmm. the, the command program. Uh, then the two of them end up back in the transporter room. Where this again, this is a fifteen minute episode, a lot going on. They end up back in the transporter room somehow where Tilly's gonna beam her to someplace. Her <laughs> planet or in, they guess, don't say kinda. anyway, she's just like, Bye forever. Here's a dilithium crystal, which looks super <laughs> sparkly and like they upped the contrast way too much on that crystal. Um that yeah, that's not what a dilithium crystal looks like in any no, way. It was like glowing, no, it was like blown out on the screen. Anyway. So she gets on the transporter pad and she's like, oh, by the way, I'm the queen. Bye. And Tilly's like, holy shit. And then transports her somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Somewhere is right. Yeah. (laughs) Because the opening shot of this episode shows the discovery totally out in space, not in orbit of a planet. So. Right. And when Tilly mentions, oh, you're from, (laughs) I can't remind me of the name of the planet. Zahia. Zahia. You're from Zahia. They've just achieved warp capability. She speaks about it as like, it's some planet far away. Yeah, like like she just read like basically an anthropology journal right. that says, oh, you know, Zahia just achieved work. Not like, oh, you mean the planet we're orbiting? No. Right, right. So maybe this right. is like a Into Darkness style beaming? No, no transwarp beaming. No, please no. <laughs> please no. That belongs buried 
They they already wanted to bury that the second they did it in the Kelvin. Yes, universe, yeah. So. Simon Simon Pegg admitted they kind of just pretended it never happened. <laughs> yeah. When they wrote Beyond, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, okay, so that's the gist of Runaway. I did my best to summarize it as quickly as possible. That was pretty good. But first off, I just want, like, first impressions from you guys right off the bat. What were your thoughts right after the episode ended? Well, as usually, I enjoyed Mary Wiseman. I enjoyed the Tilly being Tilly, you know, Mm -hmm. moments. The rest of it was a little bit, there was a whole sort of middle section that was rather incoherent, which is unfortunate. And as you said, it just sort of feels hasty. But it was okay, you know. Yeah. 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 I, I thought it was pretty shoddy. Um, I thought Mary was awesome. I thought she elevated it. She made it good. She made it watchable. Yeah, I love her and her espresso. She's like, espresso, I release you. You know. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. yeah, she was great. Hashtag she was great. Tilly is life. Yeah. Tilly, yeah, yeah. She was. So she yeah, was she was fantastic. Mary's always great. So it. And the There's alien, no the the alien, like was interesting in theory, and the actress did a good job, yeah, like being mm-hmm. alien. Yeah, she was fine. It, it, yeah, but, it's it's not anyone's like performance that's the problem. No, 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 not at no, all. No, all. but like the way their relationship develops, it happens unnaturally fast. Yeah. Yes, very like, fast. Why did Tilly never like tells anybody she's aboard the ship? Why isn't the intru- Why aren't the intruder alarms on the Discovery going ape shit? Because they should, right? Exactly. They very much. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, so there's a bunch of stuff like that, and then as as we just pointed out, like we Discovery is apparently going through space. So <laughs> where exactly is Tilly sending her? There are so many questions. So I'm just going to say my response to the, all of that is that there are no arguments for me. I agree that Tilly Mary Wiseman carries the day, and that the um, it was competently done, and there were beautiful moments, but overall it was a complete mess. Like, the writing was a complete yeah, mess. disjointed. Yeah, really. Yeah. Like, not only Act 2 made no sense, which was this, like, three-minute scene in Tilly's quarters. To that me, was yeah, the, worst. the worst Very part. confusing. Yeah. yeah, that's the worst part but, of yeah, the but all, but all of it's a mess. Because, like, where, where... I mean, the very fundamental thing of where are they beaming her at the end, that's a big plot hole. Yeah. yeah. That's called, well, we can't really... We don't have yeah. time for this crap, so just beam her off. And it's like, yeah, yeah but, oh my god, like, I get Come it. On. It's hard to write a short story. It's harder than writing a long story. It is. Was it's it, hard. Wasn't it mm-hmm. Pascal that said, "If I'd had more time, I would have written a shorter letter." <laughs> I don't know, but that's a good. Yeah, that's a fam- Yeah, it's a good quote. I like that. Um, and of course, the other thing they're trying to do is really say because these are short things done um on the side you know while they're making season two just on the side you know they grab people for an extra couple of days of work on the side and they're supposed to be very minimal cost is they really don't have a good like much of a budget for this so like they really couldn't come up with like another starship or something to like beam her over to you know they they're trying it. not to they totally yeah, they, yeah you just like you have to write to it i mean you don't have to show it you just and you just say like oh like here comes like your like, like, the yeah, royal like, starship because they've invented warp now they found yeah, you that's kind of, that's kind of a big oversight don't i you think, think it's a massive <laughs> oversight yeah yeah it's true three three lines of dialogue or so would have fixed it all as far as that goes yeah yeah by so, the way speaking of the budget limitations i found this to be pretty glaringly low budget i've got to admit the whole um, yeah, abandoned was. discovery thing. Oh sure, yeah. It's between shifts. Couple I of background guess. actors and yeah. yeah. Are they that, that the discovery is more empty than the Enterprise during season three of TOS. <laughs> yeah, and that was an empty. That was an empty friggin' ship. Oh yeah, yeah. True, true. It was like that was that was like the the, the bridge crew, <laughs> and that was it. 
Yeah. They could have had well, somebody I mean, been like, it's it the shows. middle of the night or something. And I'm, I'm, um, you know, I'm cramming for some, some exam or whatever. And so I have to be pulling an all nighter or to finish these calculations or something. And that's why I need espresso. Like they could have thought of a million other reasons. To yeah. Have they, there was a better herself. way to set it up for sure. Yeah. yeah. And then um, her not telling anybody about the, about the, the alien. Yeah, um, well, that's supposed to be dumb, part of that. But I can overlook little... it because I understand why they had to do it for the story. And so at least they had the people come in and she's like on the spot, right? And so she has to make up some... She has to decide right then I and there. I love that. I love what she makes up. It's it's just nuts. There was a hormonal space rabbit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah He right. escaped from the mood lab swings. and got loose in here. And he's got mood swings. Yeah, it's like... Right. And the crew is so used to Tilly. They're, like, they're okay, just like, whatever. sure, like, whatever, Tilly. Who knows? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, that was a good um, moment. I agree. Yeah. Um, I will say though, if you if you look at the way it was shot and the improvements to the sets that they made because of season two, not because mm-hmm. of short tracks, because of course they're using the sets like when the season two you know main production isn't using it, these guys are using it, and so they're using the same setups, they're using the same like cameras, they're using a lot of the same people, you know, the same the DPs alternate. So I bet you one of the guys who was alternating stuck, stuck around and like shot this, you know, things like that. Um, I didn't actually go look, but I'm pretty sure. And so it looks really good. And I have to say season two from what we've seen in the trailers looks like this as well. And I really like what we see so far of the changes they've made. Um, like the mess hall got revamped and it looks better. I think. I yes, agree. definitely. Yeah. I think the show Bigger, looks too. really good. Yeah, and I think, like you um, said, think, the DP, whoever the DP was, was obviously very good. Yeah, they, they're on beautiful. it. And and this is the newer style that they're choosing to shoot, you know, all of season two in. It's a little right. more cinematic. It's a little more this, a little more that, you know. The other thing that I noticed that I, that is really nice is um, the lights are turned up in a lot of places. Thank mm-hmm. God, compared to season one. Um, when she goes to the transporter room, I noticed details that I didn't think were there I actually thought it was an alteration for season two and I had to go back and look at season one and be like oh no that was there it was just so dark I mean and and the angles they shot from in the transporter room were so like tight that we never Mm -hmm. saw that detail but uh, it's the uh, so well of course it's really the in-universe explanation right is that Lorca is not there anymore right 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 so we can we can blame that darkness on Lorca wanting most of the ship dim yeah um but on the plus side it's really it's nice because I mean, yeah, that, so now we can see it. And if you look at the season two trailer, that's still mostly true of season two, like everywhere. The bridge is still a little dark because the bridge is dark. They painted it like a dark copper color, but it's way brighter in there than it used to be Mm. in season one. It's nice. You actually see like details. The, the scene that we talked about earlier where Pike says no one gets left behind and the entire bridge crew kind of looks stunned and pleased when they, when they cut to all of them, all of those people can actually be seen and their entire workstations can be seen <laughs> instead of like disappearing into like, you know, dropping into off into, yeah, yeah. into black. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. And I'm like, oh, look at all the detail on the sets. Like, yes, that's what we should have seen all along. Really, the second Lorca wasn't on the ship anymore, they should have turned the lights back up, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's awesome. Though. But anyway, so. good, good, um, good eye on that thinking of. Because I, I wasn't thinking that when I was watching it, looking at short treks through the lens of what we're going to see in season two. So that's a good point. Yeah, because short treks is, is again as they're they're taking advantage of the fact that they were filming season two. So it's all the same. Mm-hmm. It's all the same setup. You know, it's all the same people yep. and the same stuff is already set up. So they just go use it 
for two or three days on the side, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, when did they tell us it was going to be 15 minutes? Uh, from the beginning, they announced that they were sort of anywhere between 10 and 15 minutes. 10, okay. Yeah, okay. right. Yeah. yeah, variable. So they'll vary somewhat in length. We'll, we'll right. see what the I think Calypso is actually shorter, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, I, I've heard that. I don't know how anybody knows that. Have we seen the runtime? Yeah. But no, I thought I, I thought I heard in passing that it was shorter. It might be like twelve minutes or something. Yeah, it could to thirteen be. minutes, or something like that. That one, of course, is going to be interesting because I have a feeling there's not much talking, if any, really. Yes. So it'll be. Yeah. It'll feel yes. longer and more intense because of that, anyway. Right. Right. Should, Calypso is the next one. It debuts about a month from now. Yep. And it will be Michael Shabon's debut in the Star Trek universe. Yep. He wrote it. Looked very interested in this one. Yes, it's by, uh, I think, Aldous Hodge is starring in it. Yep. And he's the only person, he wakes up on board a starship and he's the only person on it. So it's got, you know, little Twilight Zone vibes to it. Yes. That's a cool type of thing to do with the short treks. I feel like this first one tried to cram an entire episode of Star Trek into 18 minutes. Exactly. I've seen people, I think, rightly call this, like, this should have been a B plot in an episode. Right, it should have been allowed to breathe as one of the second like plots in a full episode. Maybe that's what it was originally. Maybe so, and then they were like, "Oh, we can squeeze it into fifteen minutes." Nope. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'm surprised they. I'm surprised that they wouldn't have led with what they thought was going to be their strongest or one of the. Strongest. I think it was. I think it was simply about who was available yeah, when. That's a good point. And they just started shooting stuff. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, that's a good point. Because because they're because they're doing these opportunistically, like on the side, you know, mm-hmm. as as yep, they yep. so. Um, yeah, no, that's a good. That's a good point. So I think just I mean we know that hers was they were shooting this in about June, uh, like mid to late June, so there you go. And then they were shooting Calypso in July, right before. Right. So, and I think they were still recently shooting the Harry Mud segment. Yeah, the Harry Mud one. He just he posted that behind the scenes shot in like mid September. So they just yeah. they're just finishing that. You know. Yeah. Sweet. Like, so they're grabbing them when they can, I guess. Yeah. But I have to say, I'm looking forward to all the rest of them. They all have something interesting that intrigues me. You know, Shaban is good. Mm-hmm. The Saru-centric mm-hmm. one is after that, which yes. also I'm should be really good. Yep. Um, and then, of course, we have the final one is the Mud-centric one, written by the writer from Rick and Morty. So I'm very intrigued as to sort of how that plays out. You know, the yep. style. Me the, too. Yeah. So we got things to keep us uh, keep us busy the next few months definitely as cbs intended <laughs> yeah as mm. they planned i i really am seeing this first one especially because it was kind of like so so i'm like okay can i see calypso now i want to prove i want to see if this works yeah yeah you know, i want to I see how mm. the shorts work because i think others will work better you know so i want to see it which yeah. i guess they went they that's exactly they 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 it worked you know they got me interested i'm like all right when's the next one <laughs> not because it the content though of the episode. no more more of the let's see more to see how this works out. yeah yeah let's see how this really <laughs> yeah, works no, let's I'm, see how I'm this really works yeah. well chances. i think i i think a lot of us at least i maybe i can't speak for everybody but i think a lot of people when they heard that shabon was going to do this was going to do one i think that is when people got really intrigued by it i was like oh wow a big author like michael shabon yeah because really? we heard that before we even knew he was also involved in the picard series and right got, right and it got so. a lot of people intrigued already mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, Star Trek, as many longtime fans know, has a history of bringing in authors 
who yeah. not, don't necessarily have a television background and bringing them in to do work. So mm-hmm. like this, this follows in that tradition and it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. The original series had Harlan Ellison and Theodore Sturgeon, and Jerome Bixby and a lot of other heavy hitters. Yep. This is a really cool little thing. And hopefully it's, you know, hopefully we got a classic coming our way. I sincerely hope so. It, it's yep. definitely intriguing. Yep. So, yeah, I think we pretty much covered Runaway, pretty much covered um, everything we wanted to talk about today. Before we go, though, since I have a captive audience of at least two, Matt and Brian. <laughs> um, I, was, I think you got more than that, Kayla, but that's, you know. Yeah. Well, I wanted to um, just shout out to a project that I've been working on. It's a, docu- a volcano documentary. So for those of you who are listening who don't know, um, my day job is that I'm a volcano scientist. And um, I work with uh, the BBC and PBS Nova on a documentary in the Democratic Republic of Congo where we go to a couple of volcanoes. Um, that aired uh, overseas a while ago, a couple already twice now, but it's finally come to the U.S. It's airing on PBS Nova uh, this Wednesday, uh, which is October 10th. So October 10th, there's two episodes. It's called um, Volcano on Fire, and then episode two is called Volcano on the Brink. So you should be able to find that just uh, on your local PBS station. And I think it should also be available after the fact on the PBS app, which you can watch on your Apple TV or however you watch PBS. So if you want, check it out. It's a fun, sciencey romp. <laughs> romp. <laughs> I, yeah. We've seen women. I mean, we Kayla when she did this after she showed us a bunch of photos and stuff. It it was mm-hmm. fascinating and really cool. So yeah, check in everybody. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I guess that about does it for episode number fifty nine of the Shuttle Pod podcast. Mm-hmm. It's great to be back. Thanks, Matt and Brian, for co-hosting this. Of course. And uh, we'll see you guys again next time on Shuttle Pod number sixty. All right. Bye, everybody. Mm-hmm. Bye, everybody. Be sure to keep reading checkmovie.com. We'll have even more New York Comic Con coverage. We already have a three-part panel report up, and we'll be posting interviews with the cast of Discovery throughout the week.